What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Work Rate Podcast. This is our AEW review. I am Mike Fend. I'm joined, as always, by Brad Hardcastle. Brad, how you doing? I am quite excellent. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, all right, well, let's jump right into it. Um, the news this past week, there's a little bit. Um, one was that... Uh, on Impact, uh, Rich Swan beat, I don't know if we talked about this last time, I might be a week off, but Rich Swan defeated Moose to for the right to face Kenny Omega uh, for the both the AEW title and the Impact title. They're both going to be on the line. It's going to be a champion versus champion match. Mm-hmm. So we know it's either going to be a draw or Kenny's going to win, and they're probably going to have Kenny win. So that'll be kind of cool. I can see them having Kenny win. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get yeah. to it later. What I think they're gonna do, but I think they're gonna have Kitty win. <clears throat> I I agree. Um, another development was the Good Brothers, who last time we saw them on AW Dynamite, they were the Impact Tag Team Champions. They are no longer the Impact Tag Team Champions. They lost the belts to Finn Juice mm-hmm. from a from New Japan Pro Wrestling, so that. Um, that's an interesting development that gives more opportunities for cool Forbidden Door stuff between the three companies. So that, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that. And uh, that's it. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, AW Dark Elevation was this week. That, yeah. was, uh, that was very cool. Um, it was very similar to Dark. Um, we uh they they've said that they're going to focus a little bit more on young signed talent so that will be primarily who will be on the show so uh this week the uh the people that they were promoting the most were were Jungle Boy, Lee Johnson and I guess Riho, but that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, she's already <laughs> but, won the championship. She's pretty. She, she she's quite established yeah. at this point. But yeah, it's essentially uh, they're going to do little profiles and have some stories for people who don't get profiles and stories on Dynamite mm-hmm. at the time being. So that'll be cool. Um, Paul White was on there with with Tony Schiavone, and they were good. Yeah, I thought, I thought they did uh, pretty well. Paul White, to me, he has, he's a little slower and it'll take him a little bit longer to catch up on all the names of all the various moves, mm-hmm. um, being an older guy. However, he really, for me, brings a, uh, a gorilla monsoon quality yeah. to, the, to the broadcast booth, which I have missed a slow commanding mm-hmm. voice like like I like it it uh it brought me right back to my childhood mm-hmm. hearing him on there um yeah it was good I think uh, I think there's room for that we don't all want them to be Excaliburs and more or now yelling all the time yeah. sometimes we want a deep baritone calming voice mm-hmm. yeah it's good I wonder if Every episode, how long was this episode? Like two hours or something? It was, it was close to it. Yeah. I wonder if every episode will be that long from now on or if it's just because it's the premiere. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, as far as a viewing experience, two hours is probably too long. However, 
I don't care because the more time these, the more reps and more time uh, these athletes get, these young athletes get, the uh, the better they'll be mm-hmm. for when they uh, for when they're on dynamite. So I'm totally fine with it, especially the women's division. Yeah. With them traditionally in the past, not I mean, and still not having as much time on TV, they need these reps. So yeah. this is good. That's very true. And, and uh, we saw all, about half the matches were women, so that yeah. was good as well. They even main evented it. And speaking of, they did other news. Uh, Maki Ito is going back to Japan. Yes, she's gone for now. Um, that's probably a good thing, at least uh, for now. And then, and then she can come back, and that'll mm-hmm. be nice. Um, yeah, I think they'll they will bring her back. Oh, for sure. Later, she's they just they just really have popular. to work out the contractual obligations that she has over there, and then it'll happen. Mm-hmm. And once the crowds are oh. back, I think her entrance will be even better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, stuff. you need the crowds for Maki mm-hmm. Ito. Okay, so jumping right into Dynamite, um, this Dynamite and this main event i think will be uh that this is finally the moment where the women's division fully establishes itself mm-hmm. uh, and they had their landmark main event it's i think this will be looked back on as the turning point even though i think they have, they've already started to go on the upswing this year and maybe not everybody noticed because the women's matches and the women's storylines have actually been uh, clicking along at a good pace since the new year, yeah. Um, and it got all that mu- all that better once the um, once the tournament kicked off. I still think I would like them to have at least two matches per show. Yeah, that'd think, be ideal. I think they're owed that, especially. I don't know. <laughs> There's always one match where that you can always say on every show, they're like, oh, you know what? We could probably have done without this one. I don't really know what it added to the show. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're bad matches, but like, okay, well, if we could have our choice between this or a women's match to help solidify this division and give them more time, that's where it should go. And again, not saying that the women's division is bad by any stretch. It's actually been among the best wrestling and among the best matches that they've had over the past two, two to three months. So I'm, uh, I'm very happy with how it's been going, but let, let's jump right into this. And the first match was Cody versus Penta L zero M. Uh, what, what were your thoughts heading into this one? Uh, I was actually really excited for this. I was surprised they were doing it so quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I figured they'd build it up a little bit more before they got into the match, but I was excited because I love Penta. Cody's cool. Uh, I always say they uh, AEW needs to show Penta uh, more because he looks like a Mortal Kombat character, and if you're flipping through the channels and you see him, you're going to want to stop and see what this guy's about. So I think opening the show with him was a, a really good idea. Uh, when we get more into the match, I don't really agree with the ending too much, mm-hmm. but that's just maybe personal bias. I think we're bias. going to agree on that one. Yeah. But I, I, I had it. I thought it'd be a good match, and it was a really good match. So I can't complain about that. Yeah. So uh, this match, it uh, the story heading into it was that Penta provoked Cody the week before, um, saying that he would uh, injure Cody's arm so badly that he would be able to pick up his 
his baby girl who hasn't even popped out of the womb yet so that (laughs) and that really set cody off uh so heading into this one it was it was more heated than your usual early early Mm -hmm. stages feud um the match started off hot with penta hitting cody with uh with a tope con hilo right on the ramp yeah, no, before i almost missed it because i thought cody's gonna do his whole entrance and then i kind of glanced i was like oh he's jumping after him already <laughs> well in saint patrick's day tradition i was i was drunk when this uh mm-hmm. when this match started and i i sobered up throughout the uh throughout the show but um yeah, so I I wasn't necessarily paying as much attention as I normally would. I looked up and Cody was already on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, it, it devolves right away into a brawl, and the two are just exchanging heavy shots. Naturally, this favors Penta, who's the much stronger striker of the two. He was hitting oh, yeah. with leg kicks, with chops. I think he chopped Cody's shirt off towards the beginning. Like he chopped Cody so hard his shirt ripped. Yeah, he he grabbed his shirt, ripped it off, and started slapping him, (laughs) which is good. I like that. Um, And that and Penta naturally becomes overconfident as he's as he's just picking apart Cody, Mm -hmm. who's still injured from the uh, from his previous matches and from the uh, from the match at Revolution. Um, At one point, Penta had propped a, a barricade up earlier in the match and. As is tradition, he's foisted by his own petard and is sent <laughs> crashing into the into the barricade by uh, by a tope with by a tope from Cody, thus allowing Cody to hit a destroyer, a cutter, a vertebraker, a crossroads. Like he's just going bang, 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 yeah. bang, and bang. Pentagon's just eating it. Like you can't defeat me. I will say. Cody needs to work on his vertebraker. That that wasn't a very good looking vertebraker. I don't know if it's no just the way they said didn't know it was coming or what. It just didn't look. I've seen a lot. I've more brutal looking vertebrakers. I've seen him do a better vertebraker mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, I, I think um, it was just an off night for it. But yeah, it was just funny. Looking. Yeah, I've seen him do a better one to Sunny Kiss. Mm-hmm. But this one was this one was not good. I don't think uh, Penta hit the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um. This this match was going. Uh, I thought this match was going great until Penta hit what should have been the finish, mm-hmm. which was the which was his arm breaker on Cody. He hit it. He starts celebrating, and immediately Cody just rolls him up for the win. Completely no selling. What should be a brutal finish? Yeah, because he's what, like, killed people with that arm breaker move before and stuff. Yeah, he set people out for months when mm-hmm. he was in Lucha Underground. That's what made um, Pentagon a name. That that's what made his name in the industry mm-hmm. was that arm breaker. And Cody just completely no sold it. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. yeah, that's and what I did not like about the ending. It's fine that Cody won. It's just I don't like that. How he yeah. won off no selling the the broken arm thing. I his arm was already hurt before the match too, so it's like, come on. Yeah, I didn't think that Penta was going to win the match. I didn't mind that he lost the match. It was that like Cody didn't even take ten seconds to sell it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you have this busted wing, you get the most devastating move done to it, and you immediately are able to roll a guy up and into a, a pinning combination with that arm. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Anyways, after the match, um, Penta he's 
beating down the arm of Cody, which all of a sudden now is hurt. And, uh, and he's, he's punching on it. He's kicking on it. And this brings out the, uh, the nightmare family, they chase him off. And then QT comes out late and they're like, what the hell QT? What are you doing? And so we're, we're obviously going to see that, uh, storyline continue, which is good. I like to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if we'll continue to see Pentagon in this feud. I hope we do. I hope this goes farther and that Pentagon is maybe able to put Cody on the shelf or something. They've, they've got to do that. Like Pentagon's got to be the guy that puts Cody on the shelf. For his I don't know. It's like, like, I don't mind a roll up finish. I just don't do it at the expense of the other guy's finish. Yeah. His finishing move, which should be protected. Mm -hmm. It was protected for years and yeah. it made him the name he is today. Anyway, yeah. like I, I could have easily given this match three and a half to four stars had it met its expectations, but like 3.25 is the highest I could give it. Yeah. Like it was good. Like it was a good match. And then mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that just left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, no. We got Pentagon wearing that leprechaun hat for a little bit during good. the match. That was awesome. But then. Yeah, just the ending was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, you, 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 I don't even know how to describe it. Like, like you said, you could do a surprise roller finish, but at least sell the arm breaking yeah, thing. You, like, you can't. Like, who's that move going to finish off if not a guy with a hurt arm? Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he's getting, Cody's getting dangerously close to Triple H territory right now. Yep. Yeah, the yeah, Rain of Terror, Triple H, which is funny because that's who he always, you know, pokes at and stuff is Triple H. Exactly. Like, I don't, I mean, obviously, like, he pokes at him because he has respect for him. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think those are playful pokes, but it's, uh, it's not, it's not great. And it's funny, you never know how this would come off in front of a live crowd. Would the fans have turned on him? I <laughs> don't know. might have because, uh. Pentagon's popular on the internet, mm -hmm. and even when they had crowds, they were he was getting cheers when they were supposed to be heels. So mm -hmm. they, 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 the crowd could have very well turned on him if the crowd was they had a full crowd. It would be uh, it'd be interesting to find out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next segment we had uh, it was the Young Bucks backstage. Um, they're asked by, I believe it was Marvez. It could have been Dasha. I guess it doesn't really matter in the end that. Uh, they ask if the Bucks have where their heads are at. And they respond by saying that Phoenix has beaten both of them in matches, but they were singles matches and their match with between them and, and Pac and Phoenix, it's that's going to be a tag team match. And they're the best tag team in the world. Hmm. These are the AW tag team titles that that's all they need to say about it. Yeah. And then Don Callis interrupts saying that, Oh, it's, it's cute that, that they actually believe that because uh, because he looks at them now and he says, these aren't the young bucks that I saw in Japan. And he says that I, he said like, yeah, I faked my eye injury and you guys didn't actually kick me, but like I wanted you to, cause I wanted you to get that mean streak back to get that fire back. He's like, when you look in the mirror, do you see the young bucks from new Japan? Mm -hmm. I do not. And this was good. However, I do think it, it's coming close to burying the titles a little bit. 
Because they have the titles. They are the top team. Yeah. I see so, what you're yeah. Is they have he, to they have to watch that a little. Is this what he called Kenny a god or is that later? This was he did call Kenny a god. Okay. He said uh he said, I want he's like, Yeah, I want Kenny to get away from you because he has evolved into a god and you're a shell of your former selves. Yeah. But are they a shell of their former selves? Because they're the tag team champions. Yeah, no, they're they're the top tag team in the company, so it's like it's exactly like they were in New Japan. So <laughs> they're they're kind of like dorks, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like know. they are they are lovable dorks. Mm-hmm. No, but uh when I said earlier that uh Kenny beaten uh Rich Swan and he's starting to call himself a god, and then in New Japan Kota Ibushi calls himself a god. Ooh, okay. And he's got two belts. Well, Kenny would have three if he wins the impact belt. Mm-hmm. And the Forbidden mm-hmm. Door we've already established has been down, so I think that they're building something towards something like that, probably over the summer. I'd say they are, um, whenever they can get fans back, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the summer, but who knows? Because if you're going to do Kota versus Kinney for the first time in like 13 years, then you definitely got to have a crowd for that. Yeah, you do. You do. It's uh, it's unfortunate. They, they at one point were holding off on some of these big moments, but now they're like, okay, we got to do it. Yeah, they have to do it. Like You can't just keep waiting. And, and tonight's an example of just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, but we'll know. get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get to that match, we got a, I'll just say a phenomenal squash yeah, match. Yeah. This is, this is how you do a squash match. Like, this is, this is definitely this is how you Jade do squash Cargill matches. versus Danny Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, just phenomenal. Jade comes out looking like a fucking star. Oh, yeah. She does three moves. Pump kick, ridiculous release German that suplex. German suplex that was something else, man. Planted Jordan on the top of her dome. Yeah. <laughs> Just flung her like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, she went the all the way air. across the ring. That was it was nuts, man. Danny the Jordan yeah. went flying through the air. Mm-hmm. Um and then she picked her up for her finisher, which they're calling the Jaded, which is it's kinda awkward to say the jaded. The jaded. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But um yeah, and then she she walked out. She confronted Red Velvet at the in the audience. She was jawing at her, and then walked away. It's like, yeah, this, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is fucking. This is what I wanted. And she did that pump kick we saw in the in the build towards her match two weeks ago that I wanted to see in the match with Velvet, mm-hmm. but we didn't see that pump kick. She did it here to Danny Jordan. Yeah, it looked like her head she off. got shot when she hit her with that pump kick. Yeah, this was a Fantastic. lot of fun. That German suplex was that. I hope she does that. Can do that every match because that was ridiculous. How far she I, threw her. I heard somebody. It was, I believe it was what culture say. I think it was what culture they said that, um, or it could have been fightful. They said they hope that uh, if she does, for whatever reason, change her finisher, that they j- make it the German suplex. Yeah, just sort of like Brock Lesnar. The ring. Yeah, yeah, because she cool. can. Every single person in that yeah. division. Mm-hmm. Minus yeah, maybe Nyla Rose. Yeah, if she could do it to Nyla Rose, that'd be even more impressive. That'd be awesome. Because I mean, she's I mean, I don't think she could buff as hell. I don't think she could launch her like she did Danny Jordan. Yeah, but I'm sure she could suplex her. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. sure. It was so fucking cool. I loved that match. It's honestly one of my favorite matches of the show. I normally don't score or rate uh, squash matches because they're whatever, but. Um, Five star squash match. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I need I need more of that. Like every other week, uh, Jay yeah, comes that, out. Do that for Jay too, because she's inexperienced. So it, 
you can accentuate her positives while she's still working on her negatives, you know, getting more time in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can have her just throw people around because she's obviously got the physique to where she can legit probably throw these people around. So it looks good. I can't I can't wait for the inevitable military press too. That's gonna be oh, so yeah. good. That's coming. Um, I wonder if she can do like her flips, like if she could military press into like a moonsault or something, that'd be cool. Mm. Mm. I don't know, but that German with the kip up. Oof. <laughs> that was so that nice. was so nice. And I like that they're uh, keeping the Jade and Red Velvet feud going. That keeps the, uh, Red Velvet. Mm-hmm. No, it'll be Red good. Velvet, Red Velvet on TV too, because she's got a bunch of upside too, just like Jade does. So the more they're yeah, both on got, TV, the better. She's got that fire that uh, and the mic presence that will will keep you engaged for mm-hmm. to come back the next week. Yeah, and you don't even have to have like Jade didn't say anything. You don't even have to ever talk. No, Jay, the way she looks speaks for herself. Like you just look at her, and you're like, "Wow, that is a star right there." And she's somebody that you could give a uh, give a a mouthpiece to, mm-hmm. and have that person talk for her. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So the uh, the next segment, and this is this is this will be a fairly long segment that I'll talk about here. This was essentially the a segment about the MJF faction. Mm-hmm. And the show actually started off, I waited to talk about this until now, but it started off with MJF and his faction coming out of a private jet and then hopping into a limo. Very four which horsemen. Was, that is, that's <laughs> the, four host, the four horsemen of the NWA. That's what they always did. They, mm-hmm. would, they would come out of the private jet and then hop into their limo, yeah. looking like a million bucks. And I'm all about that shit. Yeah, they look um, good. Uh yeah, they look good. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they look like a million bucks, two million bucks if you want to even add more to it. Yeah, this segment it starts off with Tolly in the middle of the ring, explaining, explain, explain why he's there with the with the group. He he runs down all the grisly acts that they did to the inner circle the week prior. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they took out AW's top group, and that makes them the now the pinnacle of AEW. Mm-hmm. And I love this. I love that they gave this line to Tully. He was the one who named the group. Yeah. It wasn't MJF. It was Tully got to name the group. And then he says that he started his career in the greatest group in professional wrestling. And he's going to finish his career with the greatest group in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I loved that line. Yeah. Um, MJF then hops on the mic and he gives one of his best promos of his young career which is funny because he's only been around for just over a year like maybe a year and a half Mm -hmm. or a year and a quarter and he already has about five or six incredible promos um he says that he is now judas um he said that he was just pretending to like jericho and he was pretending to play second fiddle to him and but meanwhile, he was in the background destroying the inner circle, um, like putting gum in the in their gears. <laughs> and he said it was no easy task. And then he takes jabs at the holy trinity of Jericho's greatest shames, his yeah. hairline, his weight, and the gap between his yeah. left and his right peck, which is brutal. Because yeah. <laughs> if people don't know, he has pectus 
excurvatum, which is the condition that Kobe Kingston has. It's a medical condition that he's making fun of here. It's not anything to do with his body or his work ethic or his age. He literally has a medical condition. MJF don't care. No, I thought that was (laughs) so funny. Yeah, what do you say? He He said like... Pretending to be your friend was no walk in the park, which is something you should do more, Chris. And like, he was just being ruthless. <laughs> oh my god! Like it was, it was brilliant mm-hmm. how he how he did it. Um, I like I wouldn't be able to run through the whole thing like a word for word because it's it's magic. You just have to l- listen to him do it. Um, he said that he pretended to to like Chris Jericho well in the inner circle was devolving into a comedy group. And he said from day one, his goal was always to kill the inner circle, but nobody saw it coming because they all thought he was there to take it over. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that's not why he's there. Um, he then goes down the line, pumping the tires of each member of the group. And then he ends on himself and he emphasizes that at only he's only 24 years old. And he's at the top of the business and he plans to be at the top of the business for another 24 years. And in 24 years, we'll all be talking about him as the goat, Mm -hmm. not Chris Jericho. And I love that. And then he, then he ends the segment by telling Jericho, I'm, I'm better than you and you know it. And then he says, he says, "Ah, it's been six months since I've said that. And mm-hmm. then I was like, holy shit, has it really been six months? Yeah, I didn't realize it was that long since he used his catchphrase. It's like, that's wild. Mm-hmm. And shows some restraint by them having him not do it. Um, and one thing, like, I just, this is something that AEW does with their big double cross moments. They have been dropping hints about this for a year now, sometimes over a year. Um, and I went online because I, re- I remembered a few things, but I went online and somebody had posted a video. Um, Wardlow mentioned each of the guys in this group by name as people who have influenced him and helped him on AW Unrestricted. Oh, wow. That's cool. That was, that's months ago. Mm-hmm. And he said that in a shoot. Yeah. Like that wasn't in character. Uh, FTR thanked MJF specifically when uh, when they first appeared I in that. AEW. I remember that they said like, "Oh, thanks to thanks MJF uh, for for welcoming us with open arms. That wine was really great." Mm-hmm. Like out of character, just talking about how they've been welcomed to the company, and and multiple times after they won the championship belt, they referred to themselves as the pinnacle of tag team wrestling in the world mm-hmm. um and in AEW, and that that was well that was right after they won the belts long before any of this was happening spears upon the arrival of ftr said that they were the very tip of the mountain and the pinnacle of professional wrestling he said that on twitter long before any of this was happening mm. um we already talked about the exchange of money that the groups had with each other yeah um and the photos that were taken, like everybody talked about, oh, they're gambling, but no, the photo that they're taking, that's all those guys together as one unit. And then there's another video of MJF when he's doing the State of the Union. He talks about how he he proclaims 
the heel transform AW to the profen- to the pinnacle of professional wrestling. Oh, wow. They've been dropping these breadcrumbs <laughs> for months, for up to a year, like right when the pandemic started. This is like it's right there in front of you, right in front of your eyes for y'all to see. But <laughs> it's like I love it. I love when they do this. You're like, holy shit! They've been hinting at it for <laughs> a, a literal year. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't notice a bunch of these. That's really funny. Yeah, because I I remember like them gambling at the beginning of the pandemic, but that's really about it. Like I did catch when um, when MJF I think also in the uh, in the State of the Union, him saying that he was going to uh, call down the wrath of the four horsemen. Yeah. Like, uh, oh no, he referenced pestilence, war. Mm-hmm. Um, plague and famine. Mm-hmm. So he he called he called them out, and that's when I I was starting to say, oh, he's going to do the four horsemen thing. But he literally mentioned the name of the faction in that in that very same promo. Yeah, that's nuts. Just awesome. I love when they did, they did that with the Kenny stuff too. Kenny was hinting about him and Don Callis screwing everybody for months, mm-hmm. and we didn't see it coming. Yeah. Okay, so the next segment... Actually, you know what? First, I'm just going to get a sip of water because I'm getting parched. Apologies. Remember to stay hydrated, everyone. It's important, especially with the warming up outside. Stay hydrated out there, boys. All right, so next we have Hardy Party and the and Butcher and the Blade versus Jurassic Express and Bear Country. Um. Did you have any expectations going into I, this one? I imagine not too many. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I figured we'd see Butcher and Blade and Bear Country kind of exchange more, but it seems like they're setting up, this match was more to set up a Jurassic Park, or Jurassic Park, Jurassic Express and Bear Country feud. It's your turn now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems that, like that's it's, my bit, calling yeah. Jurassic Park every week. It seems accident. like it's more of an excuse to set up Bear Country versus them than it was for Butcher and Blade versus Bear Country. Yeah, th- this match was weird in that respect, in that it was pretty easy to see the simple setup mm-hmm. of story that they were trying to tell, which was the unlikely team trying to coexist. But it wasn't the heels that yeah, we thought that would happen with. It was the faces. So we had Bear Country absolutely launching Marco oh Stunt gosh. out of the ring. Thank God the butchers there. Weren't... Marco Stunt might be dead because <laughs> they threw yeah. him so far. <laughs> And he went up and down. He was coming down head first into yeah. the into, into the, the ground, barricade. and they caught him at the last yeah, second. Butcher, good thing Butcher's so big that Marco had something to hit before he hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, so when they launch him, uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, they're like, "Man, what the hell?" Yeah, like, "What the hell can't is just, that for?" <laughs> can't just launch our child. Yeah. Um, then Luchasaurus again doesn't appreciate Bronson. I guess he go he tags Bronson, but then I guess he thought Bronson was going to do a tag team maneuver, but t- Bronson just picks up the guy, <laughs> runs over to the other side of the ring, and release um, exploder suplexes him. And I guess he didn't like the lack of uh, um, cohesion there. Mm-hmm. And then Marco tagged himself in by just slapping Bronson in the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed? I've noticed the past few weeks. Like when Marco's outside and stuff, like he's doing a lot of heel stuff, and like he's like trying to fight people more, and like uh, I th- 
on I elevation when Jungle Boy is wrestling. One point you can see Marco like pushing the rope for Jungle Boy to try to grab it and stuff. Like, what is Marco doing? Is he they turning him heel? Is he just going crazy because people pick on him all the time? I think definitely in this he was he was definitely biting off more than he could chew mm-hmm. and costing them the match. Yeah, um, I know commentary pointed out that a few times saying that Marco was getting carried away and he was putting himself in positions that he can't win mm-hmm. and he was costing them especially tagging in by slapping Bronson in the face getting in the match and then immediately losing the match yeah. right there like uh he got hit with a gin and juice and a and a twist of fate and that was it mm-hmm. and then We've got the two face teams on the outside arguing with each other. And you're like, okay, well, yeah. So they're setting this feud up, which is odd. We didn't see this one coming. Yeah. I really thought this was going to be more towards Butcher and Blade versus Bear Country because of the Battle Royale at the last pay-per-view. But mm-hmm. it seems strange. more like now that the Hardy, what do you call it? The Hardy Empire during this promo that they're going to be more focused on. Dark Order. Dark Order, yeah. Yeah, you'd think so, considering they mentioned it and mm-hmm. then. Haven't done anything with them. Yeah. Um, I did yeah, like so. when Bear Country and Jurassic Express were arguing outside. Luchasaurus was just holding Marco Stunt's dead body over his shoulder. Over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was really not not too much of note in this one. Yeah, uh, I gave it, was, it three and a half stars. It was fine. Yeah, it was just it was, a it was good. setup match. And uh, the spot of the match was them launching Marco Stunt. From inside yeah, there's, the ring, outside there's the nothing ring. wrong with the match by any, yeah. by any stretch, and it gave me a few good chuckles, mm-hmm. so I liked it. It is the definition but, of a TV match. If you but this, it. to me, is like the number one match when I talk about there. There's always one match on the show where, like, did we need it? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, if we don't absolutely need it, what we absolutely do need is another women's match. For sure. I mean... We did have two, but we mostly just had one and a third yeah. women's match. But like, put another one in. Like, you could have given eight minutes to any other combination of people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next we had Moxley and Eddie Kingston cutting another. I thought this was brilliant, fun, funny, casual promo. It's just. You can tell these are two guys who have known each other for 15 years. Mm-hmm. You can tell. That's exactly what this is. So it starts out, Mox is not in a good mood. He's been beaten. He's been burned. He should be on a vacation sipping Mai Tais on a beach, which draws a weird look from Kingston. He's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but instead, he has to take care of the good brothers who keep popping up around corners to beat him up everywhere he looks. Goes around this corner, there's the good brothers. Goes to the bathroom, there's the good brothers mm-hmm. with fucking gallows in the corner masturbating. And yeah. He's he called like, them Forky been... from Toy Story, which made me laugh. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said they've been cheap cheap shot artists with running shitty pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's like, I'm not mad at him just because then... I had to buy uh, whatever their, what was their show called? Uh, not that. talking shop. That's their podcast. Yeah, um, but something Talk, based talking on shop it. mania or something like that. Yeah, talking shop mania. That's so what making it was. me he waste said. money on that and stuff. It's funny. Um, he said nobody. He said nobody wants to look at gallows that much. Uh, he <laughs> says 
He's got weird googly eyes, and it, remi- and it reminds Mox of Forky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went on about that for about 20 or 30 more seconds. Yeah. I was like, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> um, then they uh, they refer to um, Anderson as Chad Too Bad, which was his name from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Mm-hmm. The, that fake promotion that WWE put together. Yeah, that shit was funny. Um, then they start ta- they start talking about uh, like oh yeah they think they're tough guys because they have the their little club and their hand gestures and then they do the the sad little too sweet to mm-hmm. each other um, and they're like hey haven't we actually seen that hand ge- hand gesture before I'm pretty sure I saw it like years ago on TNT yeah this is <laughs> which is a callback to the NWO which Bullet Club is pretty much just ripping off and they always have been. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, they even admit to it that that's what they do. No, for sure. It's <laughs> funny. They just straight up ripped off the NWO. Yeah. Um, then Kingston, he starts quoting rappers. He quotes Fifty saying, "You never pop nothing. You never shot nothing. Stop fronting." Yeah. And then he channels Tupac and says, "says that the the good brothers they're cowards and cowards die a, thou- a thousand deaths, but men like like me and Moxley." We die but once. Mm-hmm. And it's just, these two guys are just like two aging badasses who have come up in the business together. And they're just, they're just like, oh, these fucking idiots. All yeah. right, let's go beat them up. Yeah, we got to take care of these guys. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I, I, I got to go on maternity leave. I got to go to the beach. Why do soon? Stop beating me up. <laughs> He's like, can I not turn around a corner and have you guys assault me? Mm-hmm. Okay, like it was funny and it was cool and it was stuff that only they could get away with. Yeah, I know. I hope whenever, because Renee's got to be due soon. Yep. So I hope whenever he comes back after paternity leave that they can continue their teaming up together and backstage promos and stuff because I love it. So and it's good. it's so like fun. a promo style that no other company does with those two. So it's nope. unique and it's really entertaining. Yeah, it, it's so it's just it's two buddies, mm-hmm. two buddies drinking, shooting the shit. Yeah, it reminds me of a better APA. Yeah, <laughs> like APA didn't really cut promos, but when they were in the back playing cards, cards and drinking and stuff. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> like speaking of the APA, my favorite thing was the Dudleys and APA. They were playing poker, and Bubba Ray Dudley's like, "I got five aces." And they're like, five aces? And then uh, Bradshaw just smashes a beer bottle over Bubba's head. It was, when I was like 13, that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. At the time. <laughs> I, it's funny. I loved Bradshaw before mm-hmm. he became John Bradshaw Layfield. Yeah. I liked Bradshaw when he first turned heel. At first, I was like, okay, this, it was a little too on the nose. Like some of the, like when he was like arresting people trying to cross the border. So I was like, all right, this is a little much. Oh, that was super racist. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> which I get, he's the heel, you know, you want to boo him. Sure. And then he won the title and I was like, oh, but then he just kept the title for so long. I was like, all right, this is, this is too much now. Yeah. Okay. So next we have a Christian cage promo, which is nice. This is the first time we've heard him talk. Mm-hmm. For I half expected him to get interrupted again. <laughs> no, I thought a, they were going to do a pre, running gag where like Christian doesn't promo. speak for like three months because people keep interrupting him. It's like Sting, the new Sting. Um, yeah. 
and Christian, he says that he's there to be the the workhorse of the company. He states that when he came out last week, he grabbed the title because Kenny took his time. Mm -hmm. Um, He said that he'd be lying if he said that he wasn't there for the title. Obviously, he is. That's why you're there. Um, But he knows that that you have to earn the title shot. And in this company where wins matter, where wins and losses matter, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna come up, he's gonna come up the ranks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows what people are thinking about him. Just he's the old guy coming in and taking everybody's shot. Um, says he's here to outwork everyone to get there. And like, okay, you better. Yeah. You're an older dude. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's had a lot of time off, which I I still think he can go. He's, but yeah, like that. That's a big. Uh, that's a big shot to call saying that you're going to outwork the, essentially the worker company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder who's, I wonder who's first feed's going to be with, cause he pretty much just said that he's going to work his way up. So it's, I thought mm-hmm. they were going to put him in a match with Kenny, but it seems like they're going to hold off. They will. Bit. He'll, he'll get there eventually. I know. That, and that's what he said. I, I like that. He said, Kenny, I'll see you down the road. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, nice. So yeah, I wonder who's first feud could be like this this might not even be the next pay-per-view that he sees Kenny. He might see Kenny in two pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Cuz we've got a few people calling out Kenny's name. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a little bit. There's one particular person that I thought had an had an excellent showing on this show and I'll I'll get to that in due time. Mm-hmm. First we have Mox the aforementioned Moxley and Eddie Kingston against the Good Brothers. Um what did you think of this heading in? Uh, I thought this would be a little bit more chaotic than it actually was. It's a lot more structured mm-hmm. than I actually thought it was going mm-hmm. to be. But after seeing the main event, it makes more sense as to why it wasn't as chaotic as I thought it could have been with these four guys. But it was good. It was a good, solid TV tag team match. wasn't anything to you know that you must go see, but mm-hmm. everyone did their parts well, and I liked it. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a, a blowaway match or anything. It was, mm-hmm. as he said, like it was pretty much just a brawl and yeah. like a very, a very structured brawl. You can you can break it down very cleanly into the the sections mm-hmm. of this match. Yeah. So, uh, Eddie Kingston's coming out to the ring. We only got like a third of an introduction in this match because Eddie <laughs> Kingston's music comes out. He walks out of the tunnel and is immediately jumped by the Good Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, then out running from the side comes Moxley to help him, and he's all bandaged, bandaged up. He's got up. like ice on his shoulders and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they all fight their way to the ringside area. Then, but it's pretty much just Moxley against the Good Brothers at this point. So they're able to get him up in a magic killer on the outside, essentially wiping out Moxley for the next five or six minutes. Yeah, of the he match. doesn't come back for a, a little bit. He's no, he sold the hell out of that magic killer. <laughs> like the majority of the match. Mm-hmm. So then, pretty much most of the match is um, Good Brothers just beating the shit out of Kingston. Mm-hmm. Um, they essentially blind him in the ring. They are just just stomping a hole through him. There's not even much to say about it. They just yeah. <laughs> they literally just beat the shit out of Kingston, and he's swinging blindly every once in a while, but he can't do much. And eventually, he he's able to get a, a desperation exploder suplex on them. He tags in Moxley. He comes in like a wounded dog, just lariat, shotgun, drop kicks, pile driver, all with a bandaged shoulder. Um, in the end, Mox, 
essentially like this is it and then in the end he just gets a surprise roll up on uh on anderson for the win and mm-hmm. for the second time of the night a surprise roll up yeah. in one of these big matches and like okay guys maybe maybe one per night <laughs> yeah. then after the match we got the good brothers they're beating down moxley um kenny comes out to his music he's in a suit and he's snapping like it's friggin <laughs> west side story looking like an absolute dingus yeah he looked like um, he had big dad energy lately his clothes have been like super flashy but he had like a gray sports coat with tennis shoes on still he looked like a dad oh yeah dad <laughs> with a mullet yeah he looked like a complete idiot mm-hmm. um he gets in the ring they're they're beating down Moxley and Kingston. They they hit Kingston with a with a magic killer. They pilmanize his leg. Um, then they go to pilmanize Moxley's neck to mm-hmm. snap his neck in half. And but out come the Bucks. The Bucks come running out from the back. Apparently, the Bucks don't like murder. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they come out to stop the murder of of Moxley. Um, and Kenny's mad. The the Good Brothers are mad. They're throwing up the too sweet. They're like, too sweet us, brother. And they're like, nah, we're not doing that. So they walk out of the ring. And as they're and as they're walking, like uh, Kenny grabs Matt. He's like, what are you doing? Too sweet me. And he straight up just pecks <laughs> Matt Jackson right right between the eyes with this like like face washes him with his too sweet in the head and matt's like no fuck you guys we're getting out of here we're not we're not taking part in this evil shit and they walk out and then moxley runs back in like a you know like your drunk uncle with a chair swinging wildly everyone scatters and yeah i have no idea how this is all going to play out um, yeah, I don't either. It, like, <laughs> no clue. Yeah, I liked uh, at the end when Kingston was on the ground and the doctors were looking at him. He was like, "Get me back in the ring with Mox," and he just can't walk because like, his leg just the got ring. destroyed. Yeah, I, ca- I gotta get back in the ring with Mox. Yeah, I gotta stand with my boy. Because uh, it could lead to like a four on a four match, but the Kenny and the Good Brothers would need someone else. Yeah, and yeah, you, you never know. Like, you don't know where the Bucks are gonna side. Mm-hmm. Do they even? Do they end up siding with Kenny? Does Ke- does Kenny leave Callus? Do Kenny and the Bucks turn on the Good Brothers? Does Ken- do Kenny and the Bucks turn on the Buck? Or do Kenny and the Good Brothers turn on the Bucks? Yeah. Is Kingston done for a while? Yeah. Is... That'd be nuts if they wrote Kingston off and Moxley stayed when it should have been the other way around. <laughs> I know how how fucked would that be? Or is it uh? Or is it the Bucks and Kingston versus Kenny and the Good Brothers? That would be fun. Um, I know uh, Kingston is actually friends with the Good Bu- with the with the Young Bucks, so that would actually be it. Actually, is a little um, precedent for that. So that'd be, mm-hmm. yeah, the match three and a half, like nothing to nothing really yeah, to write home was about. Just it was a really solid TV match, and it got to the story points they needed to get it to. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but it's interesting that rarely is there a story in AEW that you have no idea how it's going to play out. I have mm-hmm. no idea who's going to be aligned with who by the end of yeah. this. That's good, though. It keeps things interesting and exciting. Yeah, because most of the time, you know what they're building to. I have no idea what they're building to. Mm-hmm. You Maybe know they don't the either. Bug... 
with like Kenny going for the Impact title and New Japan stars lurking. Maybe they're just waiting to get all that stuff ironed out before they start you know, mm-hmm. pushing forward with it. You know, eventually, the only thing that's for certain is the Bucks are going to face the Good the Brothers, Brothers at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Okay, and the next segment we had was just a clusterfuck, not entirely in a bad way. There was some, there was some good here. There was some horrendous here, but funny. Um, so this was this another segment, one of those. The Indian made me upset, but we'll get to it. Like we'll get Sting, to Darby, Archer, Taz, Team Taz segments. Um, so it's another Sting interview, mm-hmm. and. They just need to be stopped. Yeah, this, somebody, like every somebody week has now. to stop this. Every, it's been every week for like two months. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, silly. Yeah, they got to give Sting some, a break. Like, let him not come for like two or three weeks and then let him show back up. It's a meme. They're memeing themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand. Maybe that's, maybe that's their not. intention. I don't know. But Well, <laughs> they they clearly do sort of understand it. And, it, and I'll get to that. Anyways, Darby comes out as well, and Darby Darby gets to speak. Um, he says that he's defended his title three times since he won I the like title, that. and all and all the fans start cheering. Like and he that. says, "No, shut up, that's yeah. embarrassing." <laughs> that made me laugh. He's like, "No, that's and not this good. is one of the good parts. Like, <laughs> yeah. I really liked this." Yeah. And he says that uh, he said that I'm the TNT champion, and I want to honor the greatest TNT champion that we've ever had. And in doing so, I'm going to give an open challenge to to any member of the Dark Order to challenge me for this title. And I was like, that's cool. And it's also kind of a shot at Cody. Yeah. Which I liked. Well, um, if you remember during the Brody tribute show, they said he was the, the greatest. That's why they gave Negative One the belt and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, they're, they're, but like, there could be some story there if they ever there wanted could be, to. Cause whatever happened, remember when Sting first showed up and they kept having him like kind of talk down to Cody? Nothing ever came. That's of coming. They got to bring I'm that. I'm sure that's lo- going to come eventually. Yeah, they got to loop that back. That's coming sure. down the line. Yeah, they never they never really drop things. Mm-hmm. Like it, it'll come back, much like the Horseman stuff. Yeah, which everyone thought was dropped. I did. And I was it, one of those people. Like we thought it was dropped, but meanwhile they were laying breadcrumbs the mm-hmm. whole time. Um. Yeah. So then it's announced later on in the night that it'll be John Silver that he's facing yeah. for the That'd for the really TNT title. Match. So we're going to have this absolute shotgun blast of a match yeah, next week be between good. between Darby and Silver. That's going to be, be hard insane. to call cuz they're both really fast. So you got to you're going to have to pay attention. Don't look down at your phone during this match. You'll miss like that's, seven moves. Yeah, that's going to be one where I'm just going to say, "What? Well, just watch the match. I can't yeah. break this one down." Yeah. <laughs> then then it gets weird. So then Archer comes out, and he he's actually asking the question that all the people want to know, which is, why do you keep interviewing Sting? And I was like, mm-hmm. thanks, Archer. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, why do you keep interviewing Sting? <laughs> and he tells I Darby that I do like that, that Archer's he's... coming out, because Archer versus Sting and Archer versus Darby, it's, it's intriguing. Mm-hmm. It's intriguing. This is just a weird way of building it. Um, mm-hmm. He tells Darby that he's a glorified indie wrestler, that if he likes coffins so much, he's more than happy to put him in one. Mm-hmm. So that was a good line. And then Jake grabs the mic 
and just rambles incoherently about yeah. Darby needing to get back into his bun because he's a weenie. Yeah. And then he told Cutting Sting... Cutting him down like my nephew tries to cut me down and he's five. So I don't know <laughs> what Jake was trying to do. <laughs> and then he told Sting that he would twist it up and shove it up Sting's rear end. Mm-hmm. But he never actually specified what exactly he was shoving. The whole thing was just bewildering. Yeah. I know they probably don't give Jake talking points, but sometimes maybe they should they, hey, just they go out and gotta. talk about this or something. Because you're you're starting to ramble like a like a lunatic out there, man. <laughs> like I don't I I don't want to be disrespectful of Jake of Jake the Snake. But holy fuck, this is a far this is a far cry from that first promo he did. Yeah, when he first came in. When he came in and he tore down Cody, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, this is the coolest thing in the world!" Yeah, and now he's fucking like scatting about and bebopping about, your butt. It's like, about Jake, whatever shoving... you do in your own time is that that's your business. You don't got to bring it. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. crazy because he's like one of the greatest promos in wrestling history. Like if you go back to the eighties and watch his promos, like he. There's that term talking you into the building, like that's what he did. And yeah. now he's just like, what are you talking about? It's talking me into changing the channel. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. No. But I still got all the respect in the world for him because he's Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh yeah, but... he's Jake the Snake and he has a lot of insight. It's just sometimes he seems to get carried away. Yeah. They that's why I said they somebody backstage needs to be like, All right, this is when you guys go out there, Jake, this stick to this. This is three things you need to talk about. Like <laughs> Hit these points. Get get to these points. However you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we have then another group comes out and it's Team Taz. They emerge from the tunnel. Cage snatches the mic out of Taz's hands before he can say anything. He marches right up to Sting, tells him that like because of the street fight and the power bomb, Sting has earned his respect. He says that Ricky Starks is wrong, and. With or without the bat, Sting is an icon. And this had the rest of Team Taz hot. They're all yelling at Cage. And Cage is like, I don't care. This is what I think. And he storms off into the back. I don't like this. I do not like this. Throughout this, uh, on Dark, I can't remember which episode, whether it was Elevation or Dark, um, Cage and Starks had a tag match. And they actually had a bit of conflict with each other in that match. So I think they're looking to do a Cage versus Starks stay blech, Cage versus Starks match. I don't um, like it. Do not break up Team Taz AEW if you're listening. Do not. It's my favorite team. Do I not think, do it. I don't think they're going to break up the team, but they might uh, be turning Cage. I can face. see them turning Cage. But I don't um, want it to happen. I actually kind of. I think this is a bit too soon. But I think I do kind of uh, appreciate the fact that I think they want to want Cage to pick up some wins as a face. Yeah, I don't. That'd be good for Cage, and I like Cage. I just really like Team Taz. You guys hear me talk about it on here every mm-hmm. week. They're my favorite group in AEW. I just don't want them to break up. Unless yeah, they bring in what if they brought in Christian Cage to replace Cage? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I don't really want. Um, or I want AW. They seem afraid to have heels lose, or to have sorry to have heels win. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, the faces need to be winning all the time. Like, oh, that seems a little, seems a little. I feel like Cage could have gone on a warpath and beaten a bunch of people, but maybe they're looking at 
maybe they want to have him beat a bunch of mid-card people, and maybe they're all heels. So he's like, okay, maybe Cage is going to go over Scorpio Sky and go over a few other people um, that are that are heels. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Cage versus Starks is a very intriguing matchup, though. I think that yeah, matchup that'd be really will good. Be... I just don't want him to break up because I love Team Taz. Cage versus uh, Powerhouse Hobbs would be really good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he can have. Fan- I don't think. Um, I don't think Team Taz is breaking up. I don't think so. I think um, Cage is just going to leave, but maybe with and then they can just have Starks talk more, which could be better in the long run. I do love the idea of them filling out the ranks again if he does win, or even if he. If he does leave, or even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. by bringing in Layla Hirsch, Bring, I, I know lots of people say, have mentioned that. Hirsch. And she just she did just get officially signed by AEW, so she would actually be a fantastic. She's really good as a heel. Mm-hmm. Um, she has really good natural heel energy and instincts. From yeah. her first match that she wrestled on Dark, she walked out. She was flipping off the crowd. She was jawing with the people at ringside, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" When she's a face, she seems to like. She just doesn't have as much character, mm-hmm. so I think it would uh, this would actually help her, and you could have Taz be her mouthpiece, and yeah, yeah I think I think they need a woman in that. And group. she's got that shooter style that would fit Team Taz really well. She is Taz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> she's Taz with a moonsault. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, can you imagine Taz doing a moonsault? That'd be insane. Yeah, so this whole segment, I just it was all kinds of disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some elements. There were some really terrible elements, mostly Jake the Snake um, and Sting. There was the terrible, that was Jake the Snake and Sting, and then others that I found intriguing, which was uh, Cage and Archer. I actually liked their stuff, mm-hmm. and Darby's stuff was pretty cool. Yeah. But, like, the old-timers, no thank you. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I really just want to see uh, Darby versus Archer, because I think that match would be incredible. Yeah, the thing where they just they have these guys continually coming out and interrupting each other while they come out of the tunnel mm-hmm. and cutting each other off it has never worked. Um and it always seems to be Taz and and Jake the Snake mm-hmm. doing this to each other and it's it's terrible every time. Yeah. Stop doing it. <laughs> and now they've roped Sting into it. It's just oh, okay. Enough. Okay, moving on to the next match we had. This was a, another weird one in that it was much shorter and the how the match was structured was very surprising as well. This was Ray Phoenix versus Angelico. Um, did you have any expectations for this I, one? I did not because I didn't know this was a match that was happening until it happened on TV. Yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. I think it was announced day of or the day before. Mm-hmm. Um really cool match yeah i like it it doesn't really fit into the story other than just giving phoenix a win i think getting into the match with designed uh, for it's just giving phoenix some momentum for the title match Mm -hmm. um the the cool the cool thing about this match is it's two guys trained in lucha libre but in very different styles Mm -hmm. within lucha libre and it's uh and and then Helico having a style that we don't actually see that often, which is the 
which is the ground game of Lucha Libre. We don't see that very often, so Lucha Libre is very diverse, and we normally only see the high flying. So yeah. this was actually kind of cool because it was actually it was a contrast in styles, despite it being a lucha match. Yeah, yeah, both trained which is, heavily in Mexico, of course. Like you said, just two different styles, and yeah, it was awesome. I like this match a lot. I really like Angelico. I hope they can find ways to keep him on TV and build him up more. Because or send him to Japan so we can see him versus Zack Saber Jr. That'd be great too. Ooh, yes, <laughs> that that is actually a low key dream match of mm-hmm. mine. Yeah, he's somebody that I think his style, especially his lucha libre uh, yaveo style, would get over huge in Japan because mm-hmm. they yeah. love technical wrestling there. They love groundwork where that's not so much the same in the United States. That fan, the crowds tend to get real quiet. Mm-hmm. When technical groundwork is happening, yeah. Unless you're Zack Saber Jr. or uh, Daniel Bryan, who, excuse me, are well-established technical wrestlers. So, because mm-hmm. yeah, when I so... saw, um, oh sorry, when I saw New Japan in Dallas a couple years ago, Zack Saber Jr. like cut a promo on the crowd saying like wrestling a technical style in front of Americans is like reading Shakespeare to a monkey or something like that. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's how you got to do it because then you mm-hmm. you can only you can almost only really do it as a heel. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, as I said, there's there wasn't much of a build to this one, but they did a great job of highlighting the diversity of Lucha Libre. And Helico, he spent almost the early portion of this match just absolutely grounding uh, Phoenix, and I was shocked. He controlled 90% of this match. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> and when I rewatched it, a second time i was just like yeah no he controlled 90 percent of this match like i thought when i watched when i went to do my notes i was like okay so this will be a ray phoenix showcase it was not this was an angelico showcase mm-hmm. like angelico had him in like eight different holds he started the match doing this and then it went all through commercial break he was doing this phoenix hit him with three moves yeah <laughs> He hit him with three moves. He hit him with a cutter, and then, and then he hit him with a flash crucifix and his crucifix bomb and a pile driver. That's all he hit. Yeah, no. That's all the offense the Phoenix got, and that's how he he won. I was yeah. like, oh my god, they. <laughs> I was like, this was an Angelico showcase, but Phoenix looked like a badass because he's like, I can beat you with three moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> No suicide dive into the barricade this week, sadly. But no dive from either of these guys. Yeah, who can fly? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so four stars for me for this one. It was just weird. It was just and Helico like I'm going to stretch you out for for ten minutes, and that's yeah. all it was. Yeah, this was good. It was yeah. It's yeah, it wasn't what I expected you... when they first showed it. Like I, like you said, I thought it'd be a lot more of Phoenix doing stuff, but. This was yeah. like, hey, Angelico, go show him what you can do type match. Yeah, it was almost like you can't, couldn't even really talk about it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, and Angelico was beating him for a long time. And mm-hmm. then Ray Phoenix won. Um, there was one really cool move. Uh, Ray Phoenix went for a punch at one point, and Angelico caught it with his leg. Like, he yeah. he caught it, he caught his arm in the in the crook of his knee. His I was knee like, pit. I was like, wait, how did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> and then he brought Phoenix to the ground with it. I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the 
if the crowd would notice that but like when excalibur is like oh did you see what he did there it was like well i do now yeah that was cool (laughs) okay and this next segment is low-key one of my favorite segments on this was awesome this was they need more of this type of stuff from miro this is good this was this was like this is turning around miro right here and Mm -hmm. it was fucking incredible um so this is a miro and kip segment and again surprisingly i love this um once again miro channels all of us asking or marvez comes up he's like oh so uh chuck and chuck and orange have challenged you to a max to a match next week um are you going to accept and miro just shows why why do i have to fight these guys again mm-hmm. i'm not interested i've got more important things to do i've got serious business on my mind no i'm no, we're not doing it. I'm not doing this. This is childish shit. And then Kip runs in. And he's like, no, Miro, I've not moved on from this. They ruined my wedding. And you're supposed to care about that. And Miro says, what? That was my fault that your wedding, that your wedding was ruined? He says, no, but also let me remind you that because of you, Pen- Penelope got hurt in our last match. She got flung into the barricade and you didn't seem to care. And then Miro interrupts him again, telling Kip that I got to tell you, uh, tending to your wife during a match is not more important than winning the match. Mm-hmm. And also let me tell you that bringing your wife at ringside is a terrible move for your career. Yeah. He says, I don't care about Penelope. I don't care about you. I don't care about our opponents. I only care about being the world champ. Mm-hmm. And then Miro leaves and Marvez says, oh, I guess that means you guys are declining the challenge. And Kip grabs and says, oh, no, no, we accept. Yeah. And I fucking love this. Yeah, this is a really good segment. I've, yeah, more of this for me. This Miro, was please. phenomenal. Yeah. This was phenomenal. It, because it, the, all the stuff that's happened in the past was not good, but now going for, like, I'm in it now. Mm-hmm. I'm into this. Um, this is Miro is going to betray Kip, or he's not going to betray Kip. Something's going to happen within this next match or something else where he's going to, they're going to lose and he's just going to turn on Kip. Yeah. And they're, they're going to start feuding. He's going to destroy him. Then it looks like he's going to go on his monster run. And that's, this is another thing where I think this is maybe what they're building Cage up for. Yeah, is a match between that. him and him and Miro. That's my dream good. match. Is I that'd want those good. two guys. Oh man, that'd be really good. Yeah, this Just segment to... was good, and I liked his little subtle dig at WWE because you know. Yeah, but like it's good because it's also it's just his reality. He's mm-hmm. like, no, in my lived experience, I've had my wife at ringside, and it goes badly. She gets hurt. I lose matches. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. it's never good. It's also, it's happened to Cody with, yeah. uh, with Brandy at ringside. He's lost matches because she's gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. It, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's, and, uh, you can, you can tell he, he had a dark match as well, where, uh, he was mad at Kip in that match as well. Um, where he thought Kip was kind of screwing around a bit too much and then Mira would come in and he'd just lay waste mm-hmm. to the guys in the ring. He's, he's, you can 
you can tell since the wedding, like even at the wedding, there was a moment where Miro wanted to kill him. And yeah, each time they're on yeah, TV, like there's bumped into or tried to hit uh, Chuck and he jumped yeah, dodging and he hit Miro. I think that's when the turn has happened. Yeah, so it's happened every time they've been on the screen where it looks like he's closer and closer to just ripping Kip's head off. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I was just like, hey, you know what? Kip's acting here is really good. I buy this. Yeah. Like his reasoning for all of this was really good. And he actually, he told Miro like, no, Miro, you did this. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, this is cool. They're going to baby face Kip in this. Yeah. Kip's going to like destroyed it. though. I feel bad for him. Ah. <laughs> okay and which that was that was a really good way to move into the main event because it was uh let lets you calm down a little bit mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a women's match to to have you come down to head into the main event it was a nice promo to bring you down to head you into the first women's main event in AEW history which was cool and one thing that i really loved about how they talked about this match early on in the show they said um they called it their first ever lights out match in AEW history they didn't say their first ever women's main event in AEW history and i liked that mm-hmm. they didn't lean on like oh congratulate us for yeah. putting these women on the main event they said congratulate us for putting a lights out match in the final in the final segment i was like this is cool yeah good for you guys for not playing that too heavy-handed okay so what were your expectations heading into this my expectations were uh completely over delivered this match was amazing this is everything i love about wrestling if you know me you know i love the deathmatch hardcore stuff uh, this match was great. My expectations going in, I thought, you know, when we get into the match, they did that suplex spot onto the chairs. I thought that mm. might have been like the most brutal spot we see this whole match. I was completely shocked, blown away by what these girls did. This match was amazing. I loved it. Give me more of this, please. Yeah, I'll, I'll get this out of the way right away. This is the best women's match in AEW history. Mm-hmm. Probably oh, yeah. my current match of the year. If not right up there in the top three with yeah, uh, with another one well. in the, with another one in the top three is another women's a another a w women's match, which <laughs> is Venny versus Sakura in the women's tournament is uh is right up there as well um and the other ones being in new Japan <laughs> so yeah this is this is that level of perfect <laughs> yeah this, this is, match was if you haven't seen this match. Go watch, find a way to watch this match. This match was incredible. Yeah, it just had turn, turn off this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, pause us, watch this, and then come back. Okay, so this match, yeah, it's probably my, fav- probably my favorite type of hardcore match ever. Like, I'm a little bit different than you in that those aren't my go-tos. Mm-hmm. I like them when they're very, very good. But for the but the majority of them, I find very samey. If that makes yeah. sense, I know what you um, mean. And this is how you blow off a blood feud match. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Um, it was furious aggression that completely paid off the violent build 
um, to this, which w- it was not a build based around promos. It was a build based around assaults and mm-hmm. mean, nasty, just <laughs> kicking the shit out of each other and pull apart brawls. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was blood. It was hatred. It was, it was a build based on hatred. And Britt got the bloodbath going early with a curb stomp on Rose's head on the ring steps, busting her wide open. Then, like you said, Briss, Briss, <laughs> Britt tossed a bunch of chairs into the ring and just avalanche suplexed Rosa onto the chairs. And I was like, that's got to hurt. Yeah, that could not feel good at all. Um. Because there's no way the, to land flush on anything with that stack no, of chairs this is like a that. Pile of four chairs. Yeah. And then Rosa hit a brutal bulldog on a ladder. And I thought this might have been when Britt initially got busted open. Because I thought I saw her kind of picking at her forehead mm-hmm. a little bit. Like she's trying to like she's trying to gig mm-hmm. a bit. Um and then Rosa sits her down in the corner and delivers delivers her stalling drop kick. This time, however, she has put a ladder put right ladder, in front yeah. of Britt's face and just kicks that ladder square into her face. Yeah. Britt got her hand up, but still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then the next time we see Britt's face, she's gushing. And yeah. she's she's on the Muda scale, like mm-hmm. Crimson Mask. And yeah. I don't think I've ever seen an intentional... Uh, women's match where they got color. Yeah. And we got two women doing that in this. Um, I've only ever seen it on PWG or yeah. or in or a Japanese match yeah. um, from the 90s. Like, this is a this match is a big fucking deal. Um, then Rosa Britt Baker's bleeding head. Um, and Tony yeah, Schiavone... She bit her he, head. <laughs> Tony really... He really sold his worry for Britt Baker. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt this. Like Tony was really real life worried for one of his best friends, and it came through the TV. Yeah. I really felt his fear and his pain for his best friend just busted wide open. Mm-hmm. Like he sounded sad and shocked, and I was like, "This is really fucking good work by Tony here." Um, yeah, yeah. What do you say, like? It's all fun and games, but that's my best friend or something like that. He's like, I know you guys don't like her, but I hate seeing her go through this. Mm-hmm. Like, you could hear his voice cracking when he was delivering those lines. I was like, I'm buying into this and I'm feeling his worry. And it was really, really good. Um, at one point, then Rebel gets out the bag of tacks and she passes it into. Mm-hmm. into Britt Baker and the two women they dump out the tax and the two women battle around the tax they try going for for different moves Baker tries to hit her with her swinging neck breaker which she often does to Rosa she doesn't hit her uh, Rosa gets her up gets Baker up to take a flat back bump on the yeah. power bomb directly on the tax and when she gets up, I was like, I've never seen a. It was like she had a sequined back. Yeah, her whole back was covered. That like I was she like, took oh my that, god, I've never seen a contact rate like that. Yeah, she took that <laughs> power bump super flush on those tacks, and it's like every single tack was facing up, so it's stuck into her back. I was like, oh my god, it looks like she's wearing plate mail. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, scale mail armor, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, like really cool. Then Rebel gets drop kicked through a table, which is nice. Um, Baker locked in the lockjaw on Rosa, and they're like rolling in the tax as they're doing it. Yeah, I like how Rosa rolled Britt back, so she went back into the tax so she could get out of the lockjaw. That was really clever. Yeah, very like uh, I like made me think of um, John Moxley escaping. Yeah, when he the, kicked uh, the. the the, the pen pirate. attempt at Revolution, where he yeah. kicked the dynamite and it fired mm-hmm. off, like very similar, like using the environment, the, the gimmicked environment mm-hmm. to to get away with it, which yeah. was really cool. You know what I thought um, was going to happen with this lockjaw spot? I thought Britt was going to put thumbtacks on her glove and lockjaw oh. her with thumbtacks, or just put the put them in in Britt's mouth or mm-hmm. in uh, Rose's mouth. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be brutal. I don't know Brutal. if TNT would have oh, uh, okayed that, but I mean, <laughs> the way they were bleeding this match, so I don't think TNT really cared. But Jimmy Havoc's done it. Yeah, that's true. He he did it one time. I don't know if that was on pay per view though. Yeah. It might have been on pay per view where he put the tax in Darby's mouth, mm-hmm. um, or it could have been Janela, and then duct taped over his mouth and then punched him. Yeah, I remember that. And I think that was um, on pay per view. Yeah. So then they battle onto the apron. And this is where Rosa gets Brit up for the Fire Thunder Driver through the table, which completely buries Baker, mm-hmm. sending her partially underneath the ring. Like her whole, like two thirds of her body is under the ring at this point. They're just in a pile of rubble. The ref comes over. He's like sifting through the rubble mm-hmm. just to get the the pin. And Rosa's still on top of her. Gets mm-hmm. her for the three. And as soon as she as soon as the three count hits, Rosa just breaks down in tears. She almost breaks character. She's wiping blood and hair out of mm-hmm. Britt's face. And then she realizes that she's sort of breaking character and she yeah. starts like firing up. And it's like, we got to, we got to wait for that to go backstage before we start congratulating like, each other fuck, on this match. This, I was like, I felt that shit. As soon as the three count hit, like you can see, she just bursts in the tears. It's like, this is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. This is so cool. Yeah, this match was incredible. I don't know what's going to top it for at least Dynamite match of the year because that's going to be a hard thing to do. Mm, I don't think it will. Yeah. This... And we've had some really great matches. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a few times where I've said, oh, match of the year, match of the year. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, match this of the year the... contender. Nope, not close. Sorry. The... This same year we had the Kinta and Kinney and mox and archer wild brawl and that was a lot of fun and i was like oh that's like dynamite match of the year but then this mm-hmm. one comes along and it, it didn't have the same emotion though mm-hmm. yeah. it's that it's that emotion that really sells it like the spots weren't that much more brutal than let's say the revolution death match mm-hmm. which that match i thought was phenomenal the actual match not the post-match yeah. post-match was a wet fart the match itself was amazing yeah um Kenny took a fucking header like DDT onto mm-hmm. <laughs> onto barbed wire, but it didn't have the same emotion as this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, this... this was, this sold it better. Mm-hmm. This was better. This was, this is really good. Like, yeah. like I said, this is one of the best hardcore stipulation matches I've ever seen. Yeah. This is better it's... than the previous lights out match. And I mean, Thunder Rosa and Baker were already, I'd say made, but this, made them even more because i saw For i mean me, this is one of those matches that even on twitter where you mm-hmm. know people hate AEW or everyone loved this match so 
that's saying something. For me, this made the division. Mm-hmm. Um, those women, like you said, they were already made. But like, even I had a discussion. I was having a discussion with somebody earlier in the day yesterday, and I was running through the best workers uh, for ring work of the women in AEW, and Britt Baker wasn't even in my top five. Mm-hmm. And then she had that match. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. She proved you wrong. <laughs> she said, here, look at this. Like that, uh, yeah, their their division is in a good place. They just have to, again, give them more time. Um, mm-hmm. If if this is if this comes off down the road as more of a one off, then that would be unfortunate. Um, the the an absolute fucking tragedy is that AW didn't draw big ratings. Last night, the ratings weren't very good. They were in the 700s again, which is a fucking shame because everybody knew this match was happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you right now, some fuckers out there were out there saying, oh, AEW's got to treat their women right. AEW's got to treat their women right. And then they did, and they didn't watch anyways. Yeah. That's so, usually how it goes, though. But yeah, yeah. hopefully, the- maybe after the good word of mouth from this match, people are like, well, maybe let's tune in next week. So they should try to capitalize on that and do like mm-hmm. Rio versus Thunder Rosa or something <laughs> so they can have a really good match with the women again. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get into what we have coming up next week. I don't have it in the dock, so don't look on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I did do screen grabs, but I forgot to put it there, but I can tell you that we have next week. We have Kenny Omega versus Matt Seidel. That's going to be an AW World Championship Eliminator match. I like so how they, that, if they don't say number one contender or anything, Eliminator. Well, yeah, because if he beats him, then he gets the shot at the mm-hmm. title. Um, yeah, so this is based off of, for those who don't know, um, on AW Elevation, Matt Seidel, or the Seidels had a match. They won their match. Then they were in the back cutting a promo and Kenny and Michael Nakazawa came up and they say, oh, hey, I, like a great match. Um, maybe sometime down the road, maybe you'll face me. And Seidel said, oh, I want to face you. I want to face you right away. Like a, I want a shot at that title. He's like, well, you know what? You're you're not there yet in the rankings. But maybe, you know what? If you go out there tonight and you beat Michael Nakazawa, then then I'll give I'll give you a shot to face me. And if you beat me, then you get a shot at the title. He went out there, he beat Nakazawa in the process pulling his pants down, which is funny as shit. <laughs> yeah. Um then Kenny came out, he's pissed off. He beat uh, he said like, you know what? No, we're having this match now. And then he pinned uh Seidel like it was um like it was the a briefcase match. Mm-hmm. Uh, money in the bank money in the bank but then and this part's terrible tony khan comes out of the back and he's not good at this so i never want to see this shit again (laughs) um he he sounded like russo out there it was terrible um but he says no you know what tony you don't call the shots i call the shots everyone knows i'm the booker here um you said like i'm gonna make you honor this you're gonna face him in two weeks time on dynamite you made the match and it's terrible but (laughs) um so that's why we have this match um yeah so it's going to be seidel versus kenny omega 
next week for the for a shot at potentially challenging for the title, and there's no way Seidel's winning. No. Um, it'll be a good match, though. Oh, yeah. They give these guys any amount of time. This is be great. That's a that's an old school New Japan match, actually, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Then we have Darby Allen versus John Silver. That's gonna be a fucking awesome match. That's gonna be so good. It's gonna be wild. It's gonna be a hundred miles a minute. I'm gonna have to slow it down, watch it on one and a half speed, or like watch it yeah. on half speed to watch that one. <laughs> Make sure then, you get all the moves in there. Then we have FTR and Sean Spears. So the first match of the Pinnacle, which is fun. Mm-hmm. versus Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. And I've heard um, Darius Martin might be hurt, so that's why Dante has been wrestling on his own. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I was going to ask think, that. Why? I think he tweaked his leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm actually quite excited about this because I think Varsity Blondes have very good chemistry versus FTR. This will be the third time they've faced them. Mm-hmm. They've faced them once on Dark and once on Dynamite, and I thought the match was really good. Um, they have a very... The two teams have a very 80s, 90s vibe mm-hmm. that I that I like. Um, and then we have Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero versus Ty Conti. Or Ty Conti. And that, that'll be good. Um, it's tough to follow this week's yeah. uh, women's yeah, match. No but uh, it's interesting. I wonder... It'll be their third time meeting. I wonder if they'll give Ty Conti the win. They could. I would. Yeah. I personally would. I think she's ready mm-hmm. for that big step. But uh, it's like who, like they've been really building Nyla as that monster. So we'll see. This is a rematch from their tournament uh, mm-hmm. match. So for that, almost for that reason alone, I could see them giving it to Conti. Very cool. She needs a big win. And I, they didn't have a graphic for the Miro match. So I don't know if that's happening next week. I hope it is, but I I haven't yeah. seen anything online. Yeah. Is it supposed to be the arcade match? Yes. Okay. I want yeah. it. I want yeah. it because I look at the card for next week and I'm like, okay, there's room for another excuse me, another big match. Yeah, they usually announce like more matches on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So They'll, usually after yeah. we record they announce the rest of the matches. Because mm-hmm. normally they go around between five and six matches, and they mm-hmm. have currently one, two, three, four matches. So mm-hmm. we'll get one or two more matches for sure. Um, okay. Potentially the uh, the Miro match. Um, however, I suspect that they're going to want to do that match recorded. Yeah, just so- in case anything. Crazy unforeseen happens, happens and they, yeah. they can edit it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, doing that match live would be would be a cool spectacle for fans. Mm-hmm. But I I feel like they have something really cool planned for that. Like it's going to be really fun to watch. I'm actually really excited for that match. Yeah, I'm looking at this card and I'm like, well, I don't really see a main event here. So. Unless they do Kenny as the main event since he's the champ. I mean, they could. Mm-hmm. Then they would have to have some shenanigans happening after after the match. Oh, I'm sure Moxley and Kingston would get involved. And mm-hmm. Young Bucks stuff yeah, still. So, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to run back um, Moxley versus 
uh, Kenny, but I think we might see. Here's the thing. I don't think they're writing off Kingston. I think they're making it so that Kingston can sell his leg for a whole match. Oh yeah. Cause he's Cause that's, such a good seller. That's yeah. Kingston's bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, I do want to see Kingston versus, versus Kenny as, um, that'll probably be at the next so, pay-per-view. I, I could see it as his short term feud. And mm-hmm. then he has, cause then we also have, we have Miro calling out Kenny we had or talking about the championship. We have Cage. We have MJF saying that he's coming for all the belts with the mm-hmm. pinnacle, so he's gonna be coming for Kenny. We have um yeah, Christian Cage. So okay, there's like four guys. <laughs> yeah. Like any number of people can challenge. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many of them are faces. <laughs> yeah. So Interesting. Do heel versus heel. Give me a heel versus heel match. You don't see those too often. No, and you know what? I kind of, I heard this. I think this was on, um, this was on Fightful, and I one thousand percent agree with it. They said that uh, they like the idea of seventy percent of the guys being, being gray, mm-hmm. like a uh, not face, not heel, and then having um, the rest of the guys split between. Uh, heel face baby face and and like bad bad heel mm-hmm. so that you can have those guys in the middle face any of those other guys and face amongst amongst themselves and it gives you a lot of versatility that makes sense i like that and i think that's generally how they've done it because mm-hmm. moxley's wrestled heel and face depending on who he's facing yeah when he wrestled kenny originally he was he was the heel of the match that's true. Even though they both got cheered out of the building for those matches. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I guess that's that's it for this also, one. Also, this we weekend will... is the uh, New Japan oh. Cup finals. Oh, is it? Or the semifinals, I think, to set up the final. I think they're both this weekend, actually. It's uh, very cool stuff. I, I got to catch up on that. I won't uh, spoil it for you then. but Yeah, don't, or spoil it, spoil it for me off stream. Okay. Yeah, so that's okay. this weekend. So if you want some Japanese wrestling, there you go. Uh, and you should. Yeah, okay, the, so. the tournament has been great. Like this is like I've been loving all the like the primetime matches in the tournament have been great. They've done a good job building up their factions heading mm-hmm. into this tournament. Yeah. To uh give certain guys a lot of importance, Cobb and uh Osprey specifically. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. so we'll see you next week. And uh, hopefully another big one. Yep. Peace.